Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack, talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. And we are back after a very long break, very unintended break. It's been about two months. Um, life with a newborn has been much more hectic than I anticipated. Uh, second newborn, not just my first. So um, really wanted to get this one in before Infinity War because obvious reasons. Right. Uh, joining me again this week is Mandy Moore. Hello. Mandy, thank you again. Of course. Um, I'm glad and, to be back after a big hiatus, too. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start off talking. Uh, the way we're doing this as our primer is we're going to talk a little bit about what the Infinity Stones are, what we've found in, in the Marvel Universe so far. And then we're going to talk about the Marvel Phase 1, kind of give a brief, like, oh, yeah, this is what I liked about it, this is what I didn't like mm-hmm. about it. And we're going to give them a ranking number. But we're going to go in order of release. We're not just going to go, this is my number one, number two, mm-hmm. number three. All right. <clears throat> so... My friend, what are the Infinity Stones? The stones are a uh, chemical balance of... No, I, I don't know. <laughs> They're a MagGuffin. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we, we had so, to double check on all the Infinity Stones and exactly where they came from, so we didn't get this wrong, and then everybody yells at us for not being real fans. So in Guardians of the Galaxy, which I recently just rewatched, fortunately for this, which I did not remember that they actually went into the origin story of the Infinity Stones... Uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, they say that the Infinity Stones are uh, the embodiment of these six singularities that existed before the universe existed. Mm-hmm. And they hold unlimited power, but they all hold a different kind of power. Mm-hmm. And they were once held by Celestials for a very brief period of time. And then they just were dispersed mm-hmm. because of the power that they possess. And so now they're very hard to find and very dangerous if you do find them. Yep. Uh, the first one we ever encountered was the Tesseract in Captain America, which we did not know at the time it was an Infinity Stone. Mm-hmm. And then it came back in Avengers as a MacGuffin. But again, we did not know it was an Infinity Stone at the time. Uh, the Tesseract is believed to be the Space Stone because it can teleport people to and from places. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it happen in the first Avenger that teleports the Red Skull away. Uh, even though Captain America thinks that they are dead, or the Red Skull is dead and he's not, he's obviously just teleported and not coming back because Hugo Weaving doesn't want to wear the makeup. Uh, and then the the Mind Stone is first revealed in Avengers in Loki's Scepter, mm-hmm. but we also, again, don't realize or know that it's an Infinity Stone, although there was speculation that it was because it did look like a gem yeah. on the, the tip of Loki's Scepter. And uh, that's where Thanos' plan really starts to fall apart for me immediately is because he's like, I have an Infinity Stone already. Go do my thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yep, bum. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the Mind Stone is what is in Loki's Scepter, although in Age of Ultron we find out that the, the gem on the outside of Loki's Scepter is just a casing for what's inside, setting a precedent for everything else. Uh So the Tesseract obviously has an Infinity Stone inside of it. And uh, the first time we ever hear the term Infinity Stone is in the worst Marvel movie, in my opinion, uh, Thor The Dark World, which is even, they don't even mention it until a a post-credit scene directed by James Gunn, Mm -hmm. where... um, It's a lead-in to... Volstagg and Sif take the ether to the collector uh-huh. and the collector's like well why don't you keep it and he's like we already have the tesseract on asgard and it's not wise to keep two infinity stones in one place mm-hmm. and that's when everyone started losing their shit like oh my god the infinity stones yep. they're already here what the hell <laughs> holy shit 
So the ether is believed to be the reality stone uh-huh. because it can manipulate and destroy everything uh, that it touches and only one person can wield it at a time, or at least that's what it appears to have happened with the very poor interpretation of Malekith in the MCU, <laughs> which again, uh, we will discuss this later, but I'll spoil it now. You haven't seen Thor the Dark World, which it's like one lucky of the, you. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll preface my list when we get there um, because I'm a, I'm a bad person <laughs> <laughs> for not having seen the worst marvel yeah, movie. For, <laughs> that's the not next, the only reason i'm the worst but the next oh. infinity stone we we see is the is within the orb which i think that is like literally we the we see they call it the orb but I it mean, literally opens stone. up and it's just the infinity stone yeah. sitting inside so it's of the its first casing time so it's the you've first seen time it bare it's the first time in the Marvel Universe we actually see an Infinity Stone. Yeah. Because we don't see the Mind Stone until Age of Ultron, which came out the following year. Yep. Um, but the Collector tells the story, like I said, of uh, how the Infinity Stones came to be. Mm-hmm. And we find out that this is the Power Stone, which, you know, uh, if it touches the surface of a planet, can destroy it. Mm-hmm. The, the next stone that we, that we... The new stone that we see, because like I said, we see the Mind Stone revealed in Age of Ultron... Uh, the next new stone that we see is the Time Stone in Doctor Strange, yes. which obviously you can kind of get what it does. It's timey-wimey stuff. Yeah, timey-wimey. <laughs> it can create time loops. You can uh, go back in time, go forward in time. Uh, Makes time doesn't really exist. Yeah. Ooh. And then I've already talked about the Mind Stone. So the last stone that we haven't seen is the Soul Stone. Uh, there's speculation, rumors, uh None of which I think are valid. I don't really. I don't like speculating. I don't like predicting things because I'm usually wrong and my ideas are usually bad. I've honestly been not even watching any Infinity War trailers that I can like avoid because I just want to go in completely blank and surprised. I've watched the the theatrical trailers mostly mm-hmm. because I can't miss. I can't not watch them. Yeah, when, the when you're screen. there. Uh, but any TV stuff, my wife watches Good Morning America in the morning, and they've because they're owned by Disney as well. Uh, they ha- they've had Infinity War actors on all week, and I'm sure they will next week too. Yeah, yeah. And I I just walk out of the room. I'll, yep. I'll take the the new tiny and just kind of walk out. <laughs> so there there are rumors and speculations that Tony has the Soul Stone somehow, mm-hmm. somewhere, whether it's his arc reactor or uh, something, because he in Iron Man two he creates a new element to power his arc reactor, which. I mean, maybe it is somehow I, the Soul Stone. I get it. I get it. But also, if these stones have been around since before the universe was created, how can the Soul Stone come into creation from just Tony making it? Exactly. I guess is kind of my thing. It's not like he discovered it and used it. He literally figured out a new element and like just created that from scratch. Exactly. Now, that is to say, you know, obviously you don't just create an element. Elements exist or whatever and you just figure it out but i don't know i i feel like that if that is the case it's going to be from other foreshadowing that maybe we just haven't seen or haven't realized yet rather than it being oh remember the element he made in two that's it and i don't know it it kind of takes away the whole this is part of the natural order and has been around since before the universe was even created kind of thing yeah I mean, so i don't know we'll see I think there is... I, I can't remember. I've honestly just recently read the Infinity War or Infinity Gauntlet arc, and it's very 90s, so it's kind of hard to read for me. <laughs> um, 
But I, I, it, there is precedence in the comics where a stone has been destroyed and then has just come back magically later, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's comics. People die and come back magically, yeah. too. So it wouldn't surprise me. But we shall see. It's one week away. and Can't wait. Ugh. Oh, I got my ticket and I'm ready. Mm. So I guess without further ado... Plus, or was there anything else that no, we needed to prep on? We, I just wanted to prep on the Infinity Stone. Oh, and Thanos has a, a fancy gold glove that if uh, if you put all six stones on there, you have godlike powers. You, yeah. you, you basically are a god. Yep. Uh, which is... Not just a god, like the, the god. Yeah, because <laughs> you have power over everything. Uh, you have the ability to manipulate someone's mind as well as corrupt their soul. Like You can literally change the essence of their person. Yep. So, of everything, yeah, so. but yeah, I'm excited. Uh huh. And again, we're not gonna we're not gonna really speculate on anything into going into Infinity War because one, no one listens to us anyway. So, <laughs> who who really cares what we think? And two, uh, speculating on stuff like that while fun talking in groups, putting it out on the internet is a completely different story. And I'd rather not have to deal with people threatening my life just because I said Captain America is not gonna die. Yeah, right. You know. How dare you do so much foreshadowing? How dare you say Captain America's not going to die? If he, no one dies, I'm going to be super fucking pissed. Like, why? Why does it matter? I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want Captain. to die. I want everybody to die. <laughs> and then just like teenage Groot to stand upon the rubble and go, Groot. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Marvel kicks off with Iron Man. Yes. Which no one in their right mind knew what this was going to start. Everyone, oh, yeah. Everyone I knew was excited about Iron Man just because it was one of the first comic book movies that really got the suit right. Like, you started with the Mark I that looked like it came straight out of the comics. Uh, you had the Iron Man suit that looked like it was literally pulled from the comics. And everyone was just like, oh my god, this is like maybe the most comic accurate thing ever. What did we know? <laughs> yeah, right? I know, and it only got better. It's just... like the, And Iron Man is the blueprint in my mind for how you create a cinematic universe we've seen how many come through in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. come and go in the last 10 years like sony literally had spider-man and wanted to create their own spider-man universe they literally didn't have to do anything but keep making movies yeah and they were too busy getting in their own way yeah like because you know people they think oh we need easter eggs and we need this and we need that and we need someone mentioning this no you don't you just need to make a good standalone movie Mm -hmm. and have like one or two things there to be able to expand it like all you had was colson saying i'm from shield and then you're just like oh shield exists yeah oh shield Shield exists in this iron man movie that's cool yeah and then you have nick fury show up in the post credit scene that no one knew was there yeah say i'm here to talk to you about the avengers initiative Mm -hmm. what and what's nice is about that is that it while we saw iron man's journey and you just assume oh this is the first thing to ever happen as soon as nick fury comes out and says that you realize oh this is a small story within a larger like there's been shit going on with supers and all this for much longer than just tony stark and technically Mm -hmm. tony stark isn't even a super he's just smart and crafty yeah so for me honestly ant-man is with uh i'm ant-man oh my god (laughs) you're jumping the gun i am yeah a few uh iron man for that matter is definitely within my top 10 so okay so to preface this there uh, currently before infinity war comes out there are 18 marvel movies in the mcu just as a footnote i am a very very bad uh, Marvel fan apparently um, there have only been two movies I have not yet seen so technically 
Technically my lift should only be 16. I'm making it 17 just because of the fact that I know for a fact Thor Dark World is the very bottom of my list. I know that for a fact. Um, I've seen bits and pieces. I don't give one F. Um, the only movie I have not currently seen is Black Panther because I have Because had you're to, not woke. Because I'm not woke. Um, because, so we go as like a big group to the movies. It's like what? A big what, nerdy family. Like 18 or more it's people. It's between it's like 9 and 18, 18 people. Yeah. So it's, like, it's a, like Star Wars and we balloon out to like 30 something. Yeah. So so we have a huge group of friends that go all out and see movies. And I don't get out of the house. I don't go see movies. I don't do anything like that. So the only time, and I want to thank you for inviting <laughs> me to the group because the only time I get to see these movies that I really am excited to see is when I go with you guys. Well, I always have Thursdays off but another friend of ours works at my same store, so he ended up requesting off, meaning that I had to work for him while he went to go see Black Panther. I'm still salty to this day because I have not had the opportunity to go see it. So I, while I know Black Panther will be very high on my list, I cannot... I cannot give a definitive number yeah, on Yeah, I cannot include it right now because of that. <laughs> so with that out of the way, <laughs> Iron Man's definitely very high on my list. One reason was... For one, I think just as a standalone movie, it still holds up. Now, obviously, it has the... Everybody calls it like the Iron Man problem now of where there's like an entry-level movie and you meet a character and it just hits this beat by beat by beat. Iron Man was the first one to do it, so I can forgive it because it was the first movie of the yeah. MCU. Um, <clears throat> it opened my eyes to... I've always loved witty and snarky characters, so I love Tony Stark. I think Robert Downey Jr. was literally born with Stark DNA in him. He was meant to be this, this play this role. Um, so not only do you have a very likable character, but the thing is, is they actually make you like the person before you like the hero. And that's something that Marvel does really well. How many times do you watch these movies and nobody ever calls each other, hey, Iron Man, hey, Captain America, hey, yeah, Black they Widow. Really the they call Natasha, often. Steve, Tony, uh, you know, everything like that. So to me, this is definitely exact placement. I put it around seven. Um, <laughs> exact placement. Around seven. Around seven. Exactly, though. Exactly around seven. <laughs> To be fair, my top six movies basically are all, are all a number of one, so that's why I say around seven. That's but, fair. Um, making fun of me, <laughs> but yeah, no, Iron Man. Semantics I think, matter. <laughs> yeah, I think while not perfect um, of the MCU, it's probably still my favorite of the three Iron Men movies. Yes. Iron Man movies. Yes. I, I still think it just holds up very well, and I love Tony Stark. He's probably still one of my favorite Avengers because I just love how. He's an asshole, and I love him for that. I found out recently that, like, maybe seventy-five or eighty percent of that movie is completely improvised. Really? Yeah, they went in basically. They had notes. You know, this is Act One. This mm -hmm. is Act Two. This is Act Three. Mm -hmm. And they had nothing else in between. Yeah. And so they were they were literally just like Robert Downey Jr. You're, you're just do your thing. Just do what you think Tony Stark would do. Yep. And same like, and then they just had everyone rolling off of it. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, and the other thing I like too is where you have these heroes like Captain America or Hulk, where it's some sort of accident or you know infusion or this, this, and that. I like how Tony is literally just smart. He's not like I said earlier. He's not necessarily a superhero. He's just super intelligent and knows what he's doing um money helps yeah. <laughs> but um 
you know, I, the, the fact that still of Iron Man 1, of all the MCU, probably one of my favorite moments throughout all of the MCU is just when he's held prisoner and he's basically dying and he's like, okay, I need to figure something out. And he builds that very first, you arc know, reactor. super, well, not just the arc reactor, but the Iron Man oh, suit. The, the and Mark just one. That whole, just that whole first, what would you say? 25 minutes? That's the first 30, 35 30, minutes. Yeah. So first like half hour or so of the movie is just one of my favorite MCU just moments throughout all 18 movies yeah or 17 in my case <laughs> and i have i have iron man at number three for my list because, oh really okay yeah, so that's because of what it did and yes. what it created um i have it really high on my list because again it is it is a great standalone movie as yep. well <clears throat> and uh you'll see through my list that most of the movies that do stand really well on their own are higher on my list yeah which i'm sure is true for anyone's oh yeah for sure marvel movies um but yeah, Iron Man, it, it opened the door, it created that universe, but it also uh, just, it nailed the character. Like, the only mm-hmm. thing that a lot of Marvel fanboys really cry about is that they don't really touch on Tony's alcoholism. But within the universe, you really don't have time for that. Yeah, You have a finite number of minutes that you can tell this story that people are going to be able to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have time for that kind of story. They kind of touched on it in Iron Man 2. Yeah, by, I was going to say, that's kind they, of what 2 was. It was their destruction. It. Yeah, his own was, self-destruction, his I should self-destruction, say. His self-destructive tendencies. But uh, yeah, they really, they don't have time for it. And it's and with what they've built in the universe, it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is what it is. But yeah, Iron Man's number three on my list. Uh, Perfect. Just because, again, it, what it kicked off. But I do have mm-hmm. a few other ones. Oh, yeah. There. I can totally... And I can totally understand that. It, on that merit, I would definitely have it higher. Um, if not for the fact that... I mean, spoiler, I think that Phase 3 did a fucking amazing phase, job. So and, I, and we'll talk so about that, this a little bit in yeah. Phase 2, where I, I have an idea. I have my theory of what was mm-hmm. going on. A month later, we had Incredible Hulk come out. Which, again, people did not know at the time mm-hmm. that... This was because these were coming out from two different production companies. Too. Yeah. Paramount was doing yeah, Paramount Iron was... Man and Universal had the distribution rights to Hulk movies. Yep. So everyone was like, oh, these are just, you know, a couple cool superhero movies. And mm-hmm. then at the end, Iron Man or Tony Stark shows Tony up. Tony Stark shows up and talks to General Ross. Yeah, and everything. which was supposed to be an end credit scene, but they didn't think people would stick around for a Hulk end credit scene. Yep, yep. Well, and they probably, you know, it's still a new thing. Sure, it was there for Iron Man, but. Ne- that yeah, was it's... when people started realizing, oh, this is going to be a thing. So, I am a huge Hulk fan. <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you recap this one a little bit. Um, so, as far as the movie, obviously, it's uh, the thing I like is they really didn't jump a whole lot into the origin. They just showed it in the opening credits, which is perfectly fine. We know what the Hulk is. Uh, we had the Ang Lee Hulk a few years back, and... I don't want to talk about I think it was that. Like four, three or four years prior, so yeah, people were still fairly fresh on the Hulk. I don't want to talk about it, <laughs> but um, so you know, and I, I like it. Just jumps right in. Um, my positives on it, I honestly did really like Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. I was okay with it. It wasn't my perfect casting, but I mean, I liked him a lot. I really liked the chemistry. This is me. This is just from my girly heart. I really like the chemistry between him and. What's her name? Liv, Liv Tyler. Um, I thought they were really cool together. It was pretty sweet. Um, I just like some of the subtle things that I always thought about with the Hulk. Is just like, you know, there's the part where you know they they've run away and they're hiding, you know, from the entire world basically together in this just chintzy hotel room, and you know they start to kind of get a little intimate and close and everything because they've been in love for since before the accident, and. 
they literally can't do anything because his heart rate starts going up. And he's like, okay, seriously, I can't. She's like, oh, come on, maybe a little. He's like, no, really, I can't. And it's just little details like that I always liked. Um, not the most perfect Hulk movie in the world. I really did love the final fight with the Abomination. I really liked Tim Roth. I just like Tim Roth, though. I, I, really, <laughs> I was really... And he's so short. I loved how short he was because he totally overcompensated for, you know, the whole reason he wanted to be a big Hulk monster was just because I like to think of it, he's like four foot nine or something in real life. And he's just like, I just want to be a Hulk so I can slam dunk on some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, to me, because of what this holds to me, and I was such a big Hulk fan since I was a baby really and the angly hulk was terrible i i hated it anyway and i remember being god when did that come out like 2000 2001 the angly hulk i think was like 2003 or 4 3 or 4 okay so i'm going a little far back but yeah i'm like you know 13 14 at the time and i was just like oh my god this sucks and i'm i've got the mush brain i could watch a totally shitty movie and be like that was fun 2003 2003 okay so i was like 13 ish which which to be fair eric banna i think would have been a really good bruce banner oh yeah he he did a fine job as far as the role of bruce it's just it's a shit movie yeah ang lee and i can't even be that mad of him because i understand uh, the, the story of the Hulk is a very simple one. It's literally Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Man versus monster kind of thing. Oh, and so, Sam Elliott was General Ross. I forgot about that. He was... That was like, they had a solid cast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think the problem was... is Well, he even straight up said he wanted to try to make it artsy. Like, he wanted to try to make it something really cool and special. And it just... Eh, it yeah. fell flat for me. Yeah, so, it, for me, this Hulk was my saving grace. This was my favorite MCU movie until... Like, the Avengers basically came out, and you had the huge cast thing. I loved it. And everybody hated it, and I understand. But to me, it's kind of my... It's a special place in my heart. Um, It didn't do anything special for the MCU. (laughs) I understand that. For me, I had it... I. I put it kind of at at 12. It's above some other movies that I think people would think I'm insane for putting it above, but it's important to me, and I like it, and I can still rewatch it and really enjoy it. I have Hulk, Incredible Hulk at... Oh, it's true. Incredible. At, yeah, I have that at 15 for me. It's it's really low on my list, but I, I do really enjoy it. I think it is one of the more well-made movies in the MCU, but it doesn't hold that rewatch value for me that some of the mm-hmm. other ones do. Sure, sure. Um, and I understand. I get it. Anybody who tells me it's the worst one, I will fight you. Yeah, no, there's, but there's no way But if you worst. put it like 15 out of 18 or so, I that's fair. That's fair. I have mine at 12, but again, that's because it holds something really special to me personally, and I just couldn't justify putting it too low on the list. Yeah, I, I do have it rated above a pretty highly regarded Phase 3 movie that I'm not going to talk about yet, obviously. Oh, I know what you're You know which one it about. is. But uh, I do have it rated higher than a, a Phase 3 movie, just to put it there. Um, so, <laughs> like, I, I enjoy it. Like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. But it's not one that I'll actively be like, I need to put that in my Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, my DVD I player or whatever. Lo- I love the part where they're in that big open field and he's just taking out the tanks. It's just fucking... And the part where he says Hulk smash. Oh, my <laughs> God. My fucking heart. I just... Ah! That was my fangirl movie when it came out. I, I was so fucking thrilled. My dad got me into Hulk, so both of us are like giddy little children in the theater. We were I, very I did happy. enjoy that part, um, <laughs> especially when they he did like the the ground thing that Hulk does. Yes. He, like He smashes the ground and like it just happens to create a, a gap in the ground yep. or a fissure or whatever where he can do whatever. <sighs> I love it. The I final fight it. was pretty cool, but again, it 
even back then the the cgi monster versus the cgi monster was kind of already dull for me oh yeah i mean and i i understand i love it though but <laughs> moving along riding along the coattails of the success of iron man marvel mm-hmm. was like we need to get another iron man out before people really you know forget about it yeah so they got iron man 2 out mm-hmm. and they try to catch lightning in a bottle again and they to me, it did not work. Uh, they brought in two different, three different storylines, really. They brought in Sam Rockwell um, to play. Oh, uh, uh, Hammer, Justin Hammer. Yes. <clears throat> so he brought in my board. <laughs> <laughs> and they brought in Mickey Rourke to play Whiplash slash Red Dynamo. Mm-hmm. And then they also had Tony's Demon in a Bottle storyline mixed yeah. in there. Yep. <clears throat> They tried to, like, Spider-Man 2 that shit. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, so, for me, when this movie came out, I actually really, really liked it. I liked it more than Iron Man 2, or Iron Man 1 at, at the time. At the time. Uh, definitely, as it's kind of gone on, I see its flaws. Um, for me, I put it at number 13, <laughs> directly under Hulk, Incredible Hulk. Uh, because, again, for me, to me, I enjoyed Hulk a little bit more in the long jeopardy of things and yeah, kind of looking it over exactly after x many years and it. yeah it's just um but honestly i don't think it deserves all the the flack that it did get a lot of people kind of i don't know shit on it a lot and i'm going to be saying this for actually a f- few of these movies on here um some of which i've only just seen recently that have been out for a few years but i I don't know, man. There's only maybe one movie on the entire list that I think deserves to be shit on. None of these are even just bad movies. They're just not as great as, as the others. others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that like people take rankings to mean like, oh, you you think this is worse than mm-hmm. you think this is worse than Ewoks? Fuck you! Like, yeah. No, shut up. <laughs> right. I just see value in it. <laughs> yeah. To me, something shitty just has like little to no value in it. Yeah. And- it, it's just it's contained within its mm-hmm. own self, and I, I do agree. I think Iron Man two gets a lot of shit thrown at it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it deserved, some of it not. I do think it's better than some people really give it credit for, uh, but some of the stuff that it does get shit for, it deserves, mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. Uh, I do think that Iron Man 2 tries a bit too hard at the beginning to re, re uh, to remind you who Rhodey is, but also at the same time let you know that they had to recast it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that uh, I'll get more into in Phase 2 is that Terrence Howard, uh, who signed a contract, said, oh, I'm getting an expanded role in this movie. Shouldn't I get more money? Mm-hmm. And Ike Perlmutter, the guy who Kevin Feige used to have to answer to, said, yeah. uh, you signed a contract. You get paid what you get paid. Oh, that's bogus. And he's like, okay, well, then I'm not doing the movie, and you can't do the movie without Rhodey. Mm-hmm. And Ike Perlmutter went, well, all black people look the same, so yeah. we're just going to recast you. And the most ironic thing is they are two of the most completely different looking people on the face of the planet. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I think Terrence Howard has the roadie look. Oh, yeah. But Don Cheadle has the roadie voice. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't really like Terrence Howard at all in the role. Like, that was just me. I thought he was boring. Um, <laughs> um, if you go back and watch Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. uh, there's a scene where after Tony's done in Golmira, he's flying back and the fighter jets are tailing him. Uh-huh. And he calls Rhodey and Rhodey puts on a headset. It's a behind-the-head headset, uh-huh. but he puts it on over his e- over his head. <laughs> He's wearing it completely wrong. I never caught that. I, wa- I watched Iron Man recently because I'm doing the Infinity War build-up, yep. and I watched that, and I'm like, oh, my God. 
I always no. thought that looked weird, but I never understood why. And, but because now I'm wearing behind the ear headsets for yep. work, I'm like, oh my god, he's just wearing it wrong. What a, what a freaking dunce! Uh, but I, I like Don Cheadle though. Like I just like him, and he I has like a better it. chemistry with Robert Downey. Yeah, Jr. that's kind of a lot of it too. Is they're supposed to be like BFF, and I really do feel like that they're good friends. So I don't know if I mentioned my ranking on this, but Iron Man Two is number seventeen for me. Um, oh, okay. So because you have I, I a don't, pretty... I don't really want to rewatch it as much mm-hmm. as I think. The... I think it's just because it's kind of a downer movie, and it, not that I'm against downer movies, of course. It's just, it just doesn't have a lot of positives going for it. I will well, say I mean, that the suitcase suit is awesome. The oh yes, I know. Awesome. The the whole racetrack scene was great, but that was like the best part of the movie, and then it didn't really matter. Yeah, and then um, at the end you had basically a similar thing, except it was a team up with yeah. War Machine, where you had them fighting. Mickey Rourke is the Red Dynamo plus a bunch yep. of bots. Exactly. Pretty much my positives for this movie was I loved the inclusion and the expansion of Natasha, Black Widow. Yeah, that, that the Black Widow stuff in that mm-hmm. movie is great. When Mickey Rourke was doing things, he was amazing. Um, and I, I, while not a perfectly written interpretation of Tony's... In, like self-deprecation the and everything like that. Stuff. Um, I again, I like Tony Stark as a character. I liked seeing him have kind of a down moment, and you know, kind of trying to pick himself. I liked seeing him kind of deteriorate, which actually I'll literally get more, deteriorate. Yeah, I'll actually get more into when we talk about the third Iron Man, actually. But yeah, I mean, I I see again, I see merit in it. I've rewatched it a few times, but I think at this point. I've seen it a good handful of times. I don't really need to see it anymore. Yeah, I, I mostly rewatch it for the Black Widow stuff, not just because Scarlett Johansson looks great in a Oh my gosh, she's beautiful. I love her. <laughs> I, I love her with the long red like, wavy I, I hair. I really miss her really long curls Yeah. Uh, as far as like the wig or hair or whatever she mm-hmm. did. Um, and she looked really cute with the short bob from like the newer movies, like Civil War and the, the Infinity War. Yeah, but it was out, a little bit longer. Man, I like the long hair. It was cute. Yeah, the, and that was more, <laughs> obviously it was more comic book accurate too. Yep. Um, but the the Scarlett Johansson Black Widow stuff is great. I do like Nick Fury showing up and like, sir, I need you to get out of the donut. You know that. The, I, yeah, <clears throat> it had. Let's put it this way: the movie had good moments. It just wasn't a very coherent, well, kind of. Yeah, they they. It wasn't they well in, paced. I yeah. think was the problem. And they went into Iron Man two the same way they went into Iron Man one. It just didn't work again because it, yeah. again they only had like thirty percent of a script. Yeah, exactly. So they they were hoping that the improvisation and stuff would just help create another blockbuster they tackled too many storylines in it though. exactly but yeah well i mean i guess we're kind of in agreement though with that um next movie would be thor correct the first thor yep and i i do think that this is the second best of the thor movies but that's not saying much i i mean i will i'll agree with you there <laughs> um there's there's some good stuff that goes with it uh i do like the first act before thor gets cast down to earth where you see Thor uh, potentially getting coronated, but then the ice giants show up and they, frost giants, uh, show up and they try to break through Odin's treasure room and it sets up the destroyer. Uh, you see Thor in his classic helmet, although it looks ridiculous. Right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you see Thor fighting alongside Loki and the Warriors 3 and you're thinking, wow, this, they're, they're doing Thor. And then they cast him down to Earth, and it becomes... Fish out of water. Fish out of water, Mm -hmm. Hercules in New York, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Disappointed! (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. I know it's not Hercules in New York, but in the original Conan the Barbarian, there's a moment where 
Conan is supposed to be like drunk and he's just wandering around a camp and he bumps into a camel and he punches the camel <laughs> and he knocks it out. That's going to be like, if anyone asks me like, what, are, what is one of my favorite comedic moments? That's going to be it. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger punching a camel. Yeah. No, that's Conan. great. You need to make that into a GIF so that you can put oh, I'm it sure out there is one. everything. Have you ever seen the YouTube video of Conan the, the musical? Yes. Yes, I love yes. that. You need to look that up if you haven't seen that, if anyone's actually listening. Yeah, right. Hi, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, okay, so again, I'm making my list out of 17, not 18, because I cannot include Black Panther. I have Thor at 16. It's my second least favorite. I have it at 14. And so. um, I, I was so bored when I watched it. I didn't care about Thor. I didn't care the... Uh, to me, the only good thing... I do agree. I mean, like, the first, you know, half the, hour, the first 20 minutes. Is, first yeah. act is fine. Um, but the only thing of the movie I liked was, I like it. Another smashes glass. <laughs> I still do that with my friend all the time. Not actually smashing glasses because I'd get kicked out of every restaurant I went to. But that's it. Loki was good. I mean, Loki, yeah, to me, is the best Loki. part of the Thorpe franchise up until recently. <laughs> um but, you know, I mean, Loki was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I-, I liked him. I thought he was the best part of the movie when he was in it. And otherwise, I just didn't care. Yeah. It's, it's uh, probably, it's my second least favorite. Of, of all the movies I have seen, because technically I haven't seen Dark World, it's my least favorite of all of the I I do MCU. think Anthony Hopkins was very miscast as Odin. Uh, there are rumors. Well, I mean, it, it's confirmed. I shouldn't say it's a rumor. Uh Stan Lee was originally supposed to be Odin. Oh, that'd be adorable. But it, obviously, Stan Lee, that means you like have to extremely limit what you do with Odin because obviously Stanley's yeah. not an actor. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who you would really cast no, in the I, role. No, see, I, I think what it is is I think Anthony Hopkins... Well, especially in was, the first one, he's in that muscle suit and it just looks awkward. Oh, that really looks freaking weird. Um, no, I think as far as an actor goes and the fact that he's obviously a very like theater-driven he's a thespian. actor... Yeah, he's a thespian. It makes perfect sense to cast him as Odin in that sense, but it just didn't quite... He's just not really one to do kind of... I bet you anything behind the scenes while he was filming this, he's just like, this is the stupidest, cheesiest thing ever, and I don't want to be here. Well, he's on, it, he's on record I mean? as saying the first time they were ever on set in costume, he mm-hmm. looked at Chris Hemsworth and he's like, don't really need to act in this, do we? Yeah, yeah, right? I, and it, it, I think that's where it is. You can you can literally feel his disconnect yeah. with the Especially role. in the first one. The, sec- the, the third the, one, not so much. The third one, you could tell, like, he's he's like, cool, my contract is fucking done. I'm out of here, <laughs> bitches. But, like, he he had fun with it while he was there. So, But, yeah, the word to me, I don't know. There's- like, yeah, we'll get to this a little bit later. Just remind me mm-hmm. about Frigga uh, when we Frigga? get to Thor, the dark world. Yeah, Thor's mom. Oh, okay, okay. They call her Frigga. I thought it, I always thought it was supposed to be pronounced like Freya or something uh, it, like that. I think they it is her, pronounced Freya. Yeah, they call her Frigga like oh. every chance they get in Thor 2, but I'll get to that. Cool. So, yeah, I have Thor at 14. You said you had Thor at 17? Or uh, 16. 16. My second so, to least yeah, favorite. Right right above Thor, the yeah. Dark World. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's no real spoilers in that one. So I'm just not a Thor fan. Uh, coming out the following July um, was Captain America, the first Avenger, which... Uh, obviously introduces Chris Evans as Captain America. The only f- there's two flaws I have in the first Avenger. One is starting the movie with that soft opening in modern day. I don't think you really need that, mm-hmm. um, especially when you have the cliched "My God" moment where the guy sees the shield. <laughs> My God! My God! <laughs> it's like Cartman. Yeah. 
it, it it's completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I get why I they did it there. because they wanted yeah. they wanted to set up the end where he wakes up in modern day. Yeah, but I I just I feel like that is it would have completely... worked just as a regular timeline thing. Yeah, start in World War Two and then just end with. Yeah. discovering him first. If you cut that, if, if you watch the deleted scenes, there's an extended period of, or an extended conversation with Nick and Steve mm-hmm. before he does the I had a date thing before they cut to black. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good. It's not anything we don't already know, mm-hmm. but in the context of the movie, if you're if we're watching this through Steve's eyes in this moment, which we're supposed to be, mm-hmm. the, the dialogue is wonderful and it's great. And it got cut because they had added the stuff at the front of the movie. I'm guessing yeah. that was probably reshoots because people didn't get it at the end. Yeah. So, I mean... Damn you test groups. <laughs> yeah, test groups know nothing. So, uh, that and I really... The Valkyrie, the plane, I, I've i never really understood why it's a threat. Like, mm-hmm. I get that it's big and it's probably indestructible, but they never really tell you what it is and mm-hmm. what it does. We see that it's got these little planes that also have the Tesseract energy beams and stuff like that. Yeah. But we don't really ever... That This is a case where I feel like I need to be told what it does. Not just like, oh, hey, he's got a big plane with little bomb planes. And he can wipe out the entire eastern seaboard in an hour. Okay, okay well, how? how? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's where... Think of it like if, if the big evil was the atomic bomb be like oh this you see this bomb right here it can take out half a fucking island in just dropping it okay how and then they would have like a projector and show the destruction you'd be like holy shit yeah i kind of feel like something like that like i get where you're coming from something like that maybe would have but there helped a bit more but other than that i I love the first avenger It, Mm -hmm. it sets up the movie really well it sets up the uh, the Red Skull, Johann Schmidt as, you know, a good foil for Captain America. Chris Evans is fantastic in the mm-hmm. role. Um, he he is to Captain America what Christopher Reeve is to Superman to me now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that he is like, I mean, I've never been, I've never been a huge Captain America fan just because I, I'm bored of those uh, same for Superman. I don't like Superman just because I don't like the Boy Scout type thing. You know, Mr. Goody Goody or even Miss Goody Goody kind of thing. There, it's just a boring character. I like people and characters with flaws. That's why I like Tony Stark. Um, but I mean, the one thing I do like about him is he doesn't just feel like Boy Scout. He does feel like a genuinely good human being. Like the part where he throws his body and he's still like weak and scrawny and he throws his body onto the, the, the grenade. fake m- grenade. You're just like, holy shit. Like, this guy knows that he's grown up his whole life not being able to do anything and not being physically good at anything and stuff like that. And, but, but he still knows. But he has more heart and more passion and more heroism in his heart than literally any other person on this whole fucking planet. And, and the, the moment like where they that. do the flag, too, where they're like, no one's gotten that flag in 17 years. And he just pulls the pin out and just, here you go, sir. Yeah. You know, yep. Yep. Like they show that he's he's able to think outside the box too. Like they, yeah, they do a good job of exactly. building him as a character. He's not just a soldier. Like yeah. he, he is able to think for himself. Well, he grew up his whole life not being a soldier and not being physically. So he had to be clever and witty and have heart. So the fact that you know, give him a little bit of serum and he's this huge, ginormous buff boy, and it's just like 
cool. Well, now he has all the good mental qualities and heart qualities. Now he is physically able to do everything he's ever wanted to do mm-hmm. and as I, far as helping people. And another stuff. thing in the movie that's just like a, a, a wonderful little small touch is he has like a buildup of shields as well. So like he has the alleyway fight where he's fighting the bully and he has the trash can lid. Yeah. He's, he's still, yep. he's weak and he's tiny. Foreshadowing. And, and then he, <laughs> and then he gets his powers and, or he gets the serum and he becomes, you know, Steve Rogers, not mm-hmm. just like scrawny Steve. And he, his second shield is the taxi cab door, which if you look closely, it says lucky star and it's in a circle, like mm-hmm. his future shield. Yep. So that's his second shield. And then he has his third shield, which is the kite shield, which is a nice homage to the first comics. Yep. Um, which fun story about that is, uh, I forget the name of the comics company, but there was, uh, another patriotic, character out there when captain america came out uh who literally they he wasn't red i don't think he was red white and blue but he you know wore chain mail had a kite shield but he wore like the classic knight's helmet yeah and this company went to uh the company that would eventually become marvel and said hey you can't have that shield that's too much like our guy mm-hmm. so stan lee comes in and says why don't you make it round and have it bounce off things yeah, okay. and look at that. History yeah. has changed forever. And then, uh, yeah, so he goes from the kite shield, and then he eventually graduates to his disc shield. And, uh, you know, it, it's a progression of his character as well, because uh, Scrawny Steve can't do anything. Trash can lid. Trash can lid's not yep. going to do anything. Big Steve that now, like, has these powers but doesn't really know what to Rips do with them. <laughs> like, he's, he's too big for his own body. He's got a giant door. Yep. And then he... He has the new shield where he's just a shill, but he wants to do more. So obviously the shield is a shield, but he doesn't really know how to use it. Yeah. And then he becomes Captain America and he gets the awesome yep. discus shield. Yep. Uh, so like those are little things in the movie that I love. And they, they do some great stuff. And it also has one of the most visceral moments in any Marvel movie ever, which we probably will never get again, where the guy goes through the propeller. propeller. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I, like, Disney would never have allowed that. Oh, so, yeah, like, no. you know that's still Paramount. <gasps> Um, so, okay, to be fair, I have rearranged this list <laughs> countless times. Did I sway you? Um, yes, you did, actually. <laughs> because I've only actually seen Captain America once. I didn't get a chance to do a rewatch before we made the list, mm-hmm. and that was oh, years ago. Oh, and speaking ago. of chemistry, him and Haley Atwell. Oh, my Peggy God. Peggy Carter. Oh, yeah. Peggy Carter and Haley, Haley Atwell became... <laughs> but, um, okay, so I'm going to make a slight rearrangement here. I had Hulk at, Hulk at 12, Iron Man 2 at 13. If you need to make I don't notes, know. here's a pen. Again, this was just because I didn't think about it much, but I did put Captain America at 15, which I think is a little oh unfair. God. Get off this podcast. I, okay, but it was nice talking to everybody. Um, <laughs> and now, again, it's not in my top 10, and this is just me personally. I know it's not accurate as far as quality of movie, but I still do hold Hulk higher than that because i like hulk but i will i'm gonna drop down iron man 2 down to 15 and i'm gonna put um i'm gonna put captain america up at 13 so <laughs> it's right but okay again though to be it, fair it's personal preference it's all it's all what resonates to with be you. fair my top six are all tied for number one so honestly this doesn't mean we said it before this does not mean that captain america is a fucking bad movie or anything it just means that I've had more fun with other movies. That's kind of how I ranked it, was how it made me feel, what it did for me, and how much fun I had watching it. Yeah, I have Um, have Cap at number seven. Yeah, uh, fair, very fair, very fair. For me, and there's a reason for it, it's just because he had a really good progression, but I was still bored by Captain America until 
Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was was what sold me on Captain America. Even Avengers, I thought he was boring. Um, I he had a lot of heart and I liked him, but again, I was just bored by that type of character. So it wasn't until Winter Soldier, uh, and I'll get into details later when we hit it, that I really, really, really started liking Cap. So yeah, Captain America. I'm gonna switch out with Iron Man two. I have that at thirteen, which in all honesty, when you kind of look at it with my weird list it's kind of kind of like a number seven sort of <laughs> kind of uh, but yeah so yeah so I, I have it at number seven um mostly because i am a fanboy for captain america and mm-hmm. I, I love what um joe johnston brought to the director's chair um the theme is probably the the mo- one of the most recognizable themes in all of the marvel movies yeah um bringing in alan Silvestri for that was awesome and then he came back for avengers and probably created the most memorable theme of the movies yep exactly um but yeah chris evans and Haley atwell their chemistry tommy lee jones had a, a great moment yeah captain america the first avenger is honestly my sick day movie like if i'm homesick i'm watching that movie mm-hmm. like it's it's just a movie that makes me feel good yeah and uh i i feel bad for having it as low as i do but i know there are better movies yeah that's kind so of how I, I feel with most of phase one is that a lot of these movies were staples they might not necessarily hold up compared to let's say phase three or even some three. of phase two but like they're there for a reason and they're important for a reason and the thing i liked about them was is that while they had little hints and easter eggs they were still concise movies from beginning to end they stood alone on their own yeah. for the most part the only With problem the i have iron man 2 iron man 2 is yeah. pretty much just like the avengers are coming don't yeah. worry yeah my my only problem with like phase 2 and phase 3 is that sometimes they try they put too many hints in and branches to other movies rather than just focusing on their own so like iron man 1 Thor, even for that matter, and Captain America, I appreciate them all because they're their own thing that you know is going to open up. The only connecting tissue that they all have is Shield, like exactly. Coulson's in Iron Man as well as Thor, and then you have Nick Fury show up again in Captain America. Exactly. So I mean, I yeah, I like it as far as that goes. So So the the Phase One capper was obviously Avengers, which is my all time number one movie seen in theaters. I saw it once. in an advanced screening i wasn't a test screening like the movie was done the only thing they didn't have was the post-credits scene of them eating shawarma they had the thanos <laughs> thing um but they actually went back for reshoots to do that and add it into yep. the movie um i saw it once in theater once in the advanced screening i saw it three times opening weekend i saw it in, like randomly two more times a couple uh more times throughout may and then I saw it uh, when they re-released it in like September, just before the DVD release. And I was just like, oh my God, I just love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, going back and looking at it, I do see where people think it doesn't have a lot of rewatch value because it does tend to drag through the first two acts. Uh, it's a lot of setup for the Battle of New York. And then they have a few fanboy fights in there that mm-hmm. obviously never really amount to anything because it's hero versus hero you're never going to get a definitive winner yeah um but i have avengers number one on my list because of what it did same because of what it set up and what it's done and um uh i have a fun story really quick Uh, i got to meet marvel's head of concept design uh ryan Mm -hmm. minerding if you look up the concept art for captain america and avengers he looks awesome he's got the classic cowl going on with exposed ears it looks like it's part of the suit and i guess uh, I asked him about it because I'm like, the concept art and what they have on screen is not anywhere near what we saw. And so he's he's told me that, yeah, we, we actually had a suit ready to go, which is why you see in certain spots 
Cap's got the, the cap down, but obviously when they're in the Battle of New York and when they're in the woods and when they're in Germany, he's got this helmet. And the mm-hmm. helmet is huge. Mm-hmm. Marvel did a test screening. They didn't like the exposed ears and they didn't like the way the cowl sat. So they're like, we need to do a helmet. Well, to do the helmet, you have to be comfortable and you can't really be comfortable with your ears pinned back in a tight helmet. So they had to make the helmet like parallel with Chris Evans' ears. But I guess he also has a very large head, so you have to be able to slide it on comfortably. <laughs> oh, my God. So to get it to slide on, you have to make it parallel with his ears, but also get it be able to get over the back of the head. Yeah, Jesus. So the helmet just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> More protection, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's why he loses it pretty quickly in the Battle of New York, is because it's like, just get rid of it. it yeah. looks, we know it looks bad, so just get rid of it. Yeah. And so, so I, I thought that was really interesting. And that was because, again, if you look up that concept art, it's it's awesome. Like it, yeah. it looks gorgeous. But for sure, for whatever reason, Marvel did not like the test screening on mm-hmm. it. But I mean, there's there's not much really to say about Avengers. It sets up. Um, it was it was absolutely amazing at the time of release. I still think it holds up incredibly. It does have some pacing issues, but um, I think the lack of really big battles and just kind of the quarreling between the heroes really felt so satisfying when they finally all worked together and had that big, huge fucking battle at the end. Like that thing was amazing. All the jokes landed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even still to this day, I still crack up at some of them. I will forever love Hulk just obliterating Loki into a pile of rubble. <laughs> it's so funny. And I remember I was actually really wary to watch the Avengers because they recasted um, Edward Norton. Again, I really liked Edward Norton. Um uh, at least when you think about it from my point of view, I had only known two Bruce Banners and I absolutely hated the Ang Lee Hulk, no matter how much I can admit now that it was a good casting, I wanted nothing to do with that movie. So to me, Edward Norton was the best Hulk because I liked the movie, right? That's how it works, yeah. right? You like the movie, so you like the actor. It wasn't until I watched Avengers and Mark Ruffalo came around, I was like, oh my God. So this is the way I always kind of told it to me. The Incredible Hulk Bruce is the cocky. He's getting tired, but he's like, I can beat this. I can beat this. I can beat this. By the time Avengers rolls up and you meet Mark Ruffalo, it's so heart shattering because you finally meet a man who gave up on a war. He's like, I know I can't win. I'm done. And that to me is like the perfect representation of Bruce. Bruce never quite gives up. And heck, in the comics, even he's tried, and I think they even bring it up in the movie, if I remember correctly. Like he, they, Bruce has said several times that he has tried to kill himself, but the Hulk always prevents him from doing it mm. um, by like transforming or doing whatever. There was literally a whole comic book one shot called Hulk: The End about yeah, this. Yeah, you, you've talked. About I that love one. that. Um, and obviously, you know, like Avengers was that? No, it was, was that by the time Disney? Disney had made the purchase, uh, but Paramount technically still had the distribution rights. Okay, so uh, So it was was technically before Disney had some mingling or anything. Yeah, as the credits roll, you'll see Disney is like the parent company mm -hmm. of the movie, or like owns the rights to the movie, but Paramount distributed it. So like uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Okay, okay. Disney owns the rights to like the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Yeah, but uh, Sony Sony owns the distribution rights. Yeah, okay. So, but yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of the first time you really saw. I grew up on a 1980s cartoon with Bruce and, you know, he was getting exasperated, but he still kept hope. He's like, yeah, okay, on to the next episode, aka the next round of me trying to figure this out and everything. And 
this was the first time I really saw that defeated Hulk of just like, leave me alone, I'm done. I've tried everything I think I can try and I can't even go out and look for help because I'm wanted fugitive. Like I, they want to turn me into a weapon and I can't do that. And I fell in love with Mark Ruffalo. I, I really like the I touch. thought he was amazing. I really appreciated the touch is. of um, S.H.I.E.L.D. like going, we never lost track of you. We just know you're not really a threat. Yeah. And I, I also... Um, the only part of the Hulk I did not like in Avengers was that Mark Ruffalo modeled a lot of his movements based on a gorilla, which you can really notice like when he's doing his jumping and when he really lands in Avengers Tower or what mm-hmm. becomes Avengers Tower. Um, when he meets up with Hulky, he like lands on all fours and he's got like that that hunched yeah. gorilla look. That part didn't really sit well with me because it was very different from what we saw in Incredible Hulk. Yeah. But that's kind of what they were doing is they were kind of going like... We understand that the Incredible Hulk is part of our universe, but yeah. we're going to also kind of ignore it at this point. He And he learned. He learned. He definitely made the Hulk his own and made the Hulk incredible, no pun intended, uh, you know, later on in different movies. So I'm, I'm very satisfied. I also have Avengers at my number one because of what it stands for, what it is. Yes, technically there's a couple movies on my list that I currently enjoy more, but I can't lie when I say that Avengers... It, it's Avengers is the reason you have 10,000 different movie franchises trying to do an MCU yeah. is because of the Avengers. Yep. And that says something. And yeah, I mean, enough said. Yeah. Uh, just one last quick tidbit. Uh, when you were talking about how Cap was kind of boring for you in Avengers as well, uh, I know Joss Whedon had come out and said that he intended this to be like Cap 1.5. He wanted to show a little bit of the man out of time sort of stuff. But I guess uh, at, at the beginning of it, they really wanted Winter Soldier to kind of be that. Although I think Winter Soldier evolved a little beyond that. Um, but that's kind of where we get a little less character development out of Cap is because they had to cut it out. Because uh, Marvel okay. didn't want to have that in that movie. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, and again, like I enjoyed all the characters in this movie there wasn't anybody that i hated or anything but it wasn't until really winter soldier where i was like damn i really kind of i feel cap now i really do like i the very first captain america i i kind of i I got steve rogers like i like i said i absolutely love how you understood his fucking kind-hearted he was he really was he wasn't just goody two-shoes boy scout he was legitimately like if I could have a real-life friend as nice as Steve Rogers, that would be fucking awesome. Ouch. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Avengers, he was funny, and I liked it, and he had good chemistry with other people. Oh, my God. I, my last tidbit. <laughs> the bromance between science freaking bros. science bros. Best thing ever. I'm done. <laughs> uh, I could go on about Avengers forever, but I won't. So, But, yes, that, that wraps up phase one. It was a success. And Marvel made a lot of money, and they started a cinematic change. It really for did every, for everybody. One half of the Science Bros has a very popular movie franchise, and that is Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, the Science Bros actually show up in the post credits of Iron Man three. Yes, that was um, the best part. I really don't have a lot to say about Iron Man three. I think it doesn't. I think it gets a lot more hate than it does because the humor is so different. Um, I have it at number 13, which, do, again, does seem low for like what I'm going to say about it, but it, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is, which is it, it's a buddy cop movie that just happens to have 
Iron Man suits. I was gonna say, uh, my my only problem with like the buddy cap thing is like it's directed by the guy who did Lethal Weapon, and it's just kind of like, oh, so he literally just made Marvel version of Lethal Weapon, which That's I'm okay kinda, with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was I fine. I love Lethal Weapon. That's um, one of my all-time favorite movies. So for me. I have mine, now that I did some current rearranging, I have Hulk at 12, Captain at 13, I have Iron Man at 14, I mean 3 at 14, so I have it above Iron Man 2, and I'll say this, because I just rewatched it actually today at work, just to, I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I was like, well, you know what, let me rewatch it. Rewatched Iron Man 3 before watching the first Avenger. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm going to say, here are my f- fucking gripes. In the long run, I like Iron Man 3 more than Iron Man 2. And I did actually really enjoy Iron Man 2 for the longest time after it came out. The fucking kid. Yeah. The kid is the most annoying fucking character in the whole movie. I could not stand him. At first, I didn't mind, but he's really fucking annoying. He does not talk like a kid. Like, you could tell it that, that it was there's a script that was written. There's a really, there's a really weird part at, after his part is essentially done where Tony, like, hijacks a car and... He's just like, you're going to leave. Like, he's trying to guilt trip Tony. Yeah. You're going to leave me. And they even pointed out, it's like, are you guilt tripping me? He's like, I'm cold. Yeah. Like, that's not how that kind of, that old of a kid would act. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing, though, is uh, I don't know if the kid just couldn't act, which I got that vibe a lot, that the kid couldn't act. Because some of his facial expressions, you could tell, were really overdone. Like, oh, okay, be excited, kid. And he's like, oh, oh my God. But, like, he he was really annoying. The, The director... Shane Black. Shane Black. He's known for writing a lot of witty dialogue, which for me, some of it was really hit. Some of it was very miss. And I feel like almost every line of dialogue that came out of that kid's mouth was a complete miss. Yeah. He was well, trying. That's the risky run with a child if that was, too. I feel like if it was coming out of the mouth of like a 13 or 14 year old kid, it would work a little bit more. Not like an eight year old. Mm-hmm. It just, it didn't work. So I absolutely hated the kid completely. There was like one line too. Yeah, like he's he's like, oh, you know, where's your mom? And you know, oh, my mom's at the diner working, and my dad went out to get scratching tickets. But I guess it was six years ago, so I guess he's not coming back. So he brings that well, up, and won. I'm like, okay, I guess he won, so yeah. So I guess he won because he hasn't come back yet. And then when Tony's leaving, he's like, are you gonna leave me just like my dad left me? It's like, dude, this is fucking Tony Stark. Yeah. You literally just met him tonight. Like, fucking chill. I get it. You need you got some daddy issues, but like no. It just did not come out right. He was yeah. trying way too hard to be really snippy online with Tony Stark's snippiness, but it just it fell completely flat for me. I feel like the deadline was and set up just so Tony could call him a pussy because he's like, well, dad le- dad's leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Yeah. Like, oh, I was, loved that. That was, that was <laughs> fucking killed me. Because when I got to that part, I almost wanted to put it like almost very bottom of my list because I forgot how much I hated that fucking kid. But then after that, it picks back up and I'm like, okay, I remember why I like this movie. Um, I will say I completely understand why people got really mad about the Mandarin reveal. I didn't, I don't mind it. I actually I like, kinda, it. I I like the twist because I kind of like how it kind of puts a big, yeah, you know, it brushes it, aside it, it, the yeah. racial implications of the Mandarin. Yeah, well, and that, and it just kind of like you know, oh, we don't really actually have this big bad. It is this corporate guy, which is kind of the problem with the Iron Man movies. The bad guy's always some sort of corporate dude. But Created I mean, by it, Tony. Yeah, but it makes sense because it's all of his repercussions mm-hmm. of you know his, his shitty how shitty he's treated people throughout his years. Um, so I get why people got mad about that because especially since the Mandarin is probably one of his bigger villains in comic history. Yeah. 
Um, but I liked it. Um, uh, pretty much with this movie, I enjoy it. I'm probably not going to rewatch it again for a long time just because. Um, the end with the, Pepper is really weird too, where she, you think she dies I, and then she comes back because she's an extremist. Yeah. Thing. I, I don't know. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of, okay, cool. And they kind of wrap that up real quick. Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can fix this. It's fixed. You're done. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it would have been cool if they would have, he would have made like some sort of serum, but it balanced it out rather than curing her. So then that way they could make her into an eventual kind of sidekick hero or mm-hmm. something. Um, I did really like the action. I loved how most of the action actually took place as just Tony Stark or in his like super prototype. Yeah. So he wasn't able to just be Iron Man. I thought that was really freaking cool. Um, and honestly, I have never read the extremist storyline. I'm, but after rewatching it, I'm like, cool. You know, I'm gonna go out and buy it because it just makes me want to actually read more about the extremists and everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Iron Man. It was solid. I, I like Iron Man 3 more than I think that most people do. It's still pretty low on my list at 14, but I don't know. Again, it's one of those things just like with uh, Iron Man 2, actually. I don't think it needs to get as much hate, hate and slack as it did yeah. when it came out. I think it was just more people overreacting to the Mandarin reveal. Mm-hmm. That and I will admit for the very first movie to follow up the Avengers, it was a little... It was a little weak, you know. Yeah. To, oh, that was the thing I was going to bring up, actually, was the fact that I, again, I like Tony Stark as a character. I like his character progression. I loved the fact that they dealt with his, like, PTSD after what happened in Adventures. I actually wish they would have dived a little bit more into it, because they kind of brushed it off a couple times, and it just kind of popped back up for plot conveniences. Oh my god, fantastic. Because, and we're going to get into this with Winter Soldier, you get Iron Man, who is this cocky son of a bitch who's confident in everything he does, and now by the time Avengers is, you know, finished and Phase Two is in line, he is so mentally broken and and just he doesn't know what to do with himself. And I'll get into one one reason why I like Winter Soldier so much is because Captain America has a very similar. Uh, dilemma. Ki- ki- kind of dilemma. Yeah, the um, only thing about his PTSD and like the anxiety that he. Uh, comes down with in the movie is he gets over it pretty quickly like the kid tells him like well why don't you just build something okay yeah oh no that's exactly it that's why i wish that they had kind of brought it up more because yeah he has his other big panic attack in the car driving over and the kid's like fucking i don't know build something and it makes sense for him to go like yeah okay i can do that but then he never had ptsd for the rest of forever and it's like oh okay it's not that easy i think that's the problem with it is it's not that easy um, it's still going to be there for, you know, sometimes forever. Sometimes you never truly get over it. It just gets better. Mm-hmm. And he got over it pretty quickly. So yeah. that's my, yeah, that's my kind of gripe. I really like the aspect of them kind of introducing that though. Yeah, it, it, was, it definitely offered interesting perspectives. And I, I do enjoy a lot of the dialogue. If you haven't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and you want to see examples of how Shane Black writes dialogue, yeah. watch that movie. Oh that yeah, the dialogue is really good. Uh, so we're running a little long, so we're going to kind of move along yeah. here. Uh, uh, there's not much to say about that. Yeah, the, the next, next one, one is Thor The Dark World. The only good thing about that movie is that it reveals that we are dealing with infinity stones, infinity gems, whatever you want to call them. The set pieces are nice, and the costume design's nice. Yeah, which, again, would be expected from a guy who directs Game of Thrones. Pretty much. Yeah, which, again, you can kind of see through the dulled color palette compared to what we saw with Kenneth Branagh in the first Thor movie. 
But yeah, from what I understand, a lot of people really did not care to be a part of it. Idris Elba came out and said that he hates his costume and his contacts. Uh, obviously, Anthony Hopkins hates it. Uh, you didn't remind me. Oh, yeah. My, um, Freya. Yeah. Freya. Yeah. Freya. They, in the first movie, you don't hear her name at all. Um, Rene Russo. Rene Russo plays Freya. You don't hear her name at all in the first Thor. You're just like, oh my god, it's Rene Russo. And then in uh, Thor The Dark World, it's like, oh, Frigga. Hey, Frigga. 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 Hey, Frigga. 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 Oh, Frigga. Mom, Frigga. Mom, your name is Frigga, right? Yeah. You know, like everyone's saying Frigga all of a sudden. Yep. And it's like, oh my god, we get it. She, yep. Her name is Frigga. And the only reason they keep name dropping her is because they want to kill her. Yeah, they, pretty they, much. They want you to have an attachment. Remember you know her? her Remember. Her name is Frigga. Remember her. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the same reason they they named the ant in Ant Man is because the minute something has a name, yep. you're connected. To yep, it. yep. It has a personality. So, but I got annoyed. Like I realized that right mm-hmm. away. I'm like, oh god, they're they're gonna kill her because they keep saying her name. Yep. You want to find? You want a little tip into you know if someone's gonna die? Do they say their name a lot? Mm-hmm. So they kept saying her name and it's like, oh yeah, she's gonna die. It's on par with, oh, it's my last day on the job before I retire. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, not much to say about that. Yeah, number 18 for both of us, or yeah. 17 for you. Since yeah, you have, you yeah, have a, definitely. You have an NA next to Black e- Panther. Easily 18 once I see Black Panther as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, 17 for me. It's my so, bottom of the barrel. Moving right along, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which we actually just hit the four-year anniversary of the Winter Soldier just really? a couple weeks ago. Huh. Uh, came out April 4th of 2014. Ah, okay. So um, th- this is number two on my list. Uh, I just rewatched it again a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's so good. It holds up so well. It's probably, I, I will admit, it's probably like the only Marvel movie that, like, beginning to end, it's its own thing completely. And I mean, not just like, oh, it wraps up a story. I mean, like, it could be nominated for a, an award, um, you know, some sort of movie award, because it's just really well done. Um, for me, it's it's within my top. It's actually number five. It's within my top five. It's, in, which, it's within your number one. <laughs> yeah. So my my one through six are all basically tied, just with slightly one. more G. or less enjoyment. Um, for me, it was the hardest thing uh, actually intertwining this and Civil War because to me, I felt like Civil War was a very perfect kind of next step of Winter Soldier. If to me, I could put Winter Soldier and Civil War together and watch a five-hour movie you know what i mean because it just works out really well civil war um but right now i have winter soldier at five fantastic it's what made me fall in love with steve rogers and really side with them on things um for me the reason was he wasn't just goody two-shoes and trusting everybody he got where tony had his ptsd and was doubting himself cap starts doubting himself in this because he's so trusting and he realizes oh my god i can't trust people yeah um the action was freaking amazing my favorite aspect of the whole movie was this is the closest thing to like a black widow movie that we have so throughout the whole mcu and she was just so well developed and i loved her and i thought she was just really cool yeah falcon was really introduces anthony mackie as the falcon yeah uh, sam wilson uh brings back bucky um robert redford's a fantastic villain in the movie but obviously he's not a physical villain so Mm -hmm. that's why you need bucky oh dude the thing i loved most about the bucky reveal is that like obviously anybody who knows the comics knows who the winter soldier is but the thing is is for the movie they literally only have one foreshadowing and it's at the beginning when he's at the museum 
Mm-hmm. And they don't touch it ever again. Yep. They don't bring up Bucky. They don't bring up, oh, remember that guy who died in your squad? They don't They don't touch it. Yeah, they just give you that and quick reminder of Bucky dying in the first movie. That's what I really, really like about f- proper foreshadowing. Marvel kind of falls into this uh, trap sometimes with their movies where they'll do something foreshadowing. But it's a reveal that they've brought up three times. Like, okay, you've shown the gun on the, you know, above the fireplace 17 times. <laughs> I'm not going to be surprised when you use the gun in the last act. But Bucky, they basically brought up once at the, once the museum. museum. And I think maybe in one other line of dialogue. But it was such a throwaway line that, you know what I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, they're genuinely going to be surprised. Yeah. And it's, I yeah, Winter Soldier is fantastic. Again, it's, I have it at five, but that's only because I have four other movies that I just slightly enjoyed more. I think as far as an action-based Marvel movie, this is the best by far. Oh, yeah. And among other things, they pulled off Batroc the frickin' Leaper. And they got George St. Pierre, like a, an MMA fighter of all people, yeah. to pull it off. How do you pull off Batroc the Leaper? And <laughs> like, I, I remember... Uh, I Facebooked it out when they announced that George St. Pierre is like, I, I hope it's as funny as it is in my head. It, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. They even got the like purple suit in there. And, <laughs> like, it, it was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I have it at number two mostly because, again, Avengers just yeah. sets up too much and mm-hmm. it, and it's it's too historic for what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but Winter Soldier, I think, is by far the like best standalone movie that Marvel has done. Easily, easily. I agree with you there. So, moving right along, that following August, we had Guardians of the Galaxy come out. Oh, yeah. I have this at number 12. Really? The first Guardians? Yeah, it hasn't aged well for me. There's a lot of good stuff, and I I do love the opening sequence. But I don't really care for them defeating Ronan by basically using the power of friendship. Oh, I love it. It's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. I have this at my number four. And again, not that it's a better made movie than Winter Soldier, but my enjoyment level for it yeah, is Yeah, and there. I, can, I can totally get and behind that. And uh, it's one of those where, to me, any good comedy, even if I've seen it 10 times or 20 times, that if the jokes still make me laugh, even though I know they're coming up, then it's done well. I think that as far as The Guardians goes, it was that first kind of risk taker in Marvel. Because yeah, I remember really when they announced Guardians, everybody's just like, why everyone was, that? Everyone was very scared that that was yeah. gonna be the first flop Marvel ever did. Um, and they cast the chubby guy from Parks and Recreation. Yeah, oh my god, he got buff and <laughs> mm, boy, <laughs> he got good. That's that's a girly uh, <laughs> sexual tension for y'all folks The girl today. boner? Yeah, the girl boner. No, it was, I think everybody was perfectly cast. I'm a big WWE fan, so Batista was a fucking delight. And I was worried because I thought he was just going to be a stupid lunkhead and he ended up being like the best character. Freaking drag. I thought that they made me feel sympathy for a raccoon, which that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I thought, I still think it's very well paced. Obviously, everybody talks about how great the soundtrack is and everything. Uh, the colors are great. They're not as bright as they are in two and, you know, other phase three movies, but it was finally the first one that had color in it. That was my only gripe with come on marvel you have such colorful characters and costumes and environments and you're not doing anything that's why i'm happy with phase three really embracing jack kirby elements guardians of the galaxy one is definitely up there it's it's my number four slot i i fucking love that movie it holds up 
really funny, but it's a very subtle humor. It's not in your face like the second movie is. Yeah. So, and at first, you know, I actually liked the second movie more than the first until I got home from the theater and I was like, oh, I want to watch one again now. And I rewatched it. And then I actually saw two again for a second time. And that's when I went, oh, okay. You know, one still holds up a little bit better than two. Yeah. In all honesty. And I still loved two, but. In all honesty, I think I hold Guardians lower just because I really do not care for Michael Rooker. Yeah. I don't understand the nerd love that he gets, like outside of the fact that he he's in a lot, like every James Gunn movie, I mm-hmm. guess. My first exposure to him was in uh, Kevin Smith's movie, Mallrats. Uh-huh. And so like he's always just that asshole dad to me. <laughs> Jesus. And, but he's also always he's also always the same. Like my second exposure to him was as Merle in The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. Like he's just doing the asshole dad. Like what yeah. what is this? He got typecast. Yeah. He, I mean, that's not his fault though. He's good at it. Well, he's he's a, a character actor, but you know, yeah. he's got that raspy, yelly voice. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, boy? Yeah. Like, and I hate the way he says boy. Like, he has to call every boy. <laughs> boy. Like, oh, just stop it. See, I, I like Yondu. There's more adjectives. I really love Yondu, especially after the second movie. So, I just, I get it, but you're so full of it. I love it. I just, I, I just, You hate him so much. I don't care for him at all, and I just, I don't. <laughs> I don't like him as my hero, and I don't like him as all these other things. So uh, fair um, enough, fair I, enough. I I do enjoy Guardians one more than Guardians two, just because <clears throat> one Michael Rooker has a smaller role, and two I I think the soundtrack is better. I think that uh, the chemistry is a little bit better, and I mm-hmm. I do like older Groot a little bit more than Baby Groot. It's same, yeah. Baby I Groot just. He has a few moments like I do like the opening sequence. Merchandising. Merchandising yeah. with Baby Groot. <laughs> Um, the opening scene in Guardians 2 where he's dancing around while they're having this big epic fight. I think that's a great bit of cinematography. Oh, it, yes, it was fantastic. It was a great way to open the movie. Yeah. It was a fantastic way to open a movie. That's easily the best opening. Yeah, and I love all the, the follow-ups that people have done. Like, oh, Winter Soldier opening as done by Guardians of the Galaxy with the, the thing. And yep. you know, the same thing, they, I saw the uh, Batman versus Superman uh, warehouse scene the same way. Oh my God. It's awesome. So I, I like there, there's some good stuff that's come out of Guardians 2, but uh, I do enjoy the first one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a theme you'll see in my movies, but I definitely, I hold Winter Soldier as the best action movie, but I definitely have a soft spot for the comedies in Marvel than so much the action, because you can get awesome action and still laugh, exactly. um, but that'll kind of come into play once we get into like two and three spots and things like that. But yeah, no, uh, definitely yeah, I'm a big Guardians fan, so... so- as I've continued watching through this, uh, Age of Ultron has actually moved up my list. I think I had it Same. down to 14 mm-hmm. at one point, but I rewatched it, and outside of a few flaws within the movie, I bumped it up to number 10 for me. I, I have mine at nine. I, I think the only real flaw in the, the movie, the flaws in the movie, are giving Ultron a moving mouth, like making him humanoid. I know you want to be able to get that James Spader performance. You want to get that facial capture, mm-hmm. but... He's a robot. He's he's. I really wish they would have just used the design that they had for the Ultron bots, where the mouth did not move. Yeah, because you can get uh, see, a lot out of body language too. You don't need the facial tics. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying there. I disagree, just because it made me feel a lot more sympathetic for Ultron. I understood the probably the horror he lives with. Well, he's not, he's not living, but you know what I mean. The fact that. He was literally created to protect all of humanity, but he's literally so intelligent that he realizes in his own twisted mind that 
No, actually, you know, the world's better off without humanity, but he can you can tell he feels this this tear. So I actually liked the moving mouth. I liked the facial expressions kind of because I don't know. You're taking this robot who's literally trying to destroy all humanity, but it almost makes him human. And they kind of point that out a lot, the fact that he hates Tony Stark, but literally all he of his quips. Him, he considers him a father, but he also yeah, quippy like Tony. Yeah, but, and like there, uh, there's the scene with Andy Serkis, and he says something. He's like, keep your... Yeah, that's, that's uh, weird. like my dad always says, keep your, your friends close for your money closer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like and that. He's like, I can't Tony remember. Stark says that. And he's like, damn it, fuck, you're right. You know, kind of thing. And so... I get it. I get it. I think there could have been, yeah, body language, but I don't think they were aiming for that at no. all. So it wouldn't have come off. If they didn't have the moving mouth, I think that Ultron would have been a lot less likable. Yeah, Just as which, far as, I mean, like, sympathetic, I should say, not likable. But for me, I comics Ultron is, like, the end-all villain for the mm-hmm. Avengers. He is the guy that Tony Stark freaks out, and he's like, I need a drink when yeah, Ultron Yeah, that's true. Up. He didn't feel as threatening. Yeah. That's for sure. He felt, and obviously I think part of it was that they made him a little bit more comedic, which I enjoyed, but it definitely, again, I can see where fans got mad because it's like, hey, he's supposed to be the, like, one of the scariest things on this entire it's universe. It's him and Thanos, like, one yeah. and two, one and A, one B. he's kind of just like a funny little robot that it's pretty easy to stop yeah. him, actually. So yeah. I get it. I get it. And I, I do think it gets a, lot, a little bit more hate than it deserves because they, they took the name of Age of Ultron. Which is a very bad Marvel event. Um, mm-hmm. The first two issues are fantastic, and then it just goes downhill for the next six or eight, however yeah. many issues it was. But I mean, it's a cool name. Calling it an Age of Ultron when the character is around for maybe a week mm-hmm. is meh. Eh, um, age but, just means a period of time. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be long. Exactly. Um, I love Vision. I loved the jokes. Again, like comedy, I just I like it when a good joke is told. Some fell flat. Um, one of my favorite Avenger characters is Scarlet Witch, and I think Elizabeth Olsen is that yes. her name. She's one of the Olsen sisters, yeah, like the youngest Elizabeth. of them. Oh my god, she's so I like her a lot. I really do. I like her a lot. I have a huge crush on her. But yeah, no, I I actually after I finished it, I and that was actually one movie I did not watch until just like a month or two ago because I heard how bad it was. And because I hold the Avengers so high, I didn't watch it. And then when we were talking about making this list, I'm like, well, I got to watch it. And I came out of it going, I actually really enjoyed that. Fuck these people who said that it was shitty. I, It's not as good as the first Avengers. And I think that's But my get. God, I put it at number uh, nine because I enjoyed it more than half over half of phase one. That's for damn sure. I, I think that's where people kind of get the hate is because it was such a disappointment. As far as because it, it basically Ultron is just a stepping stone for what everything else it's setting up. It's setting up a little bit of civil war. It's mm-hmm. setting up a lot of Phase Three. It's also setting up uh, Thanos coming because you have the inclusion of the Infinity Stone. Yep. And so Ultron is just kind of a blip on the radar with mm-hmm. all this setup. This is this might as well be where I start because we're almost to the end of Phase Two. I think a lot of Phase Two's problems come from Ike Perlmutter, the former head of like all of Marvel, where now yeah. Kevin Feige is the head of Marvel Just Studios. MCU, yeah. And Ike Perlmutter famously wanted to cut the budget of Civil War in half, Ooh, God. which means you don't get the airport scene in that movie. Yeah, that means you don't get the you big, don't get Spooderman. Yeah, you, don't <laughs> you get, know. Yeah, and it he I think he was part of the problem. Is he is like. Holding well, it all back. Yeah, he, he's just like, we need to set up. We need to set up. We need to, we need to keep everyone mm-hmm. going towards the future and not just keeping it in the here and now. Yeah. The problem with 
the Avengers movies are need to be event movies. They this is the culmination of the last what was phase two one two three four five it was four movies before avengers yep exactly so it, it it's a build-up it needs it's to be the, the culmination explosion. of these movies yeah so it 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 needs to be a movie that sits on its own and in the end can set something up but in within the movie like you have steve and tony having this disagreement on the the barton farm which is mm-hmm. obviously alluding to civil war because they have different ideals on how you prevent a war exactly yep yep but yeah, no. Uh, I mean, all in all, I like it. I Again, I'm a Hulk fan. I actually... When I heard uh, that there was supposed to be like a romance budding between Natasha and Bruce, I was like, oh, okay. But after I watched it, I was like, okay, I can actually kind of see it. And I they, heard that was actually added late to the game because Scarlett Johansson was pregnant at mm-hmm. uh, when they started filming, so they had to rework her story. Oh, so they, yeah. they did that to kind of minimize her action sequences. Sure, sure. But, I mean, honestly, I really liked it because I can kind of actually see where those two are coming from and why they would connect, you know? And it, it kind of has that vibe of, like, the nerd guy that's way out of his league, but she's, you know, she she's had a very exciting life full of trauma and murder, and he's, you know, just kind of this smart, dorky guy that is unfortunately being eaten away by a monster kind of thing so mm-hmm. it makes sense that they kind of connect i really do like the you know the sun's getting low the <laughs> setting like the calming mechanism they come up with it's yeah. just i liked it it was a very enjoyable movie that, um, that opening sequence too with all the avengers working together as mm-hmm. a team was, was fun is fantastic that and tracking shot where they're all lined up within the frame i heard a complaint somebody said that like oh well it just opens up with a big bang explosion of action it kind of just like Throw, you know throws you for a loop and i'm like well no i kind of liked it because to me it gives the impression that hey so since the last avengers movie they've actually been doing stuff yeah they're working, and it makes and they've, sense they've it doesn't feel like the, yeah exactly it feels like well hey you know between this last movie and the last five in between or four in between they've actually been like doing stuff together and bonding as a team it makes sense it makes sense to just throw you in the middle of a current mission um, to kind of just give you the feel that yeah, know, and plus that's, they haven't just been sitting on the bench until the new adventure movie. And that's kind of a, the formula of a movie is uh, at least an action movie is you either start with a big action piece or you end the first act with the big action piece. Yeah. And with the way the story was going to work out, you needed the action piece at the front of the movie because mm-hmm. then you have the setup of Ultron and everything, banging the table, making sorry. Noise. Um, <laughs> But you, I, one of the other things that I really enjoy that I know everyone that has seen that movie loves the drinking game where they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer. Oh, that was such a good scene. And it was so fun. I, I saw someone in one of my Facebook groups talked about how they're hoping that Steve getting the hammer to nudge was an allusion to maybe something coming up in Infinity War, but I'm like, Thor doesn't <laughs> have his Thor's hammer. Thor's face dropping is like, shit. <laughs> yeah, but like, among other, everything else, uh, Mjolnir's gone. Yeah. And it's literally just a setup to show like how pure the Vision's intentions are. Like, yeah. if Captain America can't lift this hammer, but this robot can, yep. clearly he's on our side. E- exactly. That's yep. the point. I liked Vision too. I yeah. like him a lot. And but bringing yeah. in Paul Bettany to kind of like be a little bit of Jarvis, but a new thing as well is really cool. Yeah, definitely. So the last Phase 2 movie is Ant-Man. I have Ant-Man at number 11. Me too. I have it right above Hulk, but I have it under, like, just outside my top 10. Um, It's just a super fun heist movie. Yeah, it's a fun heist movie. Um, I'm a very huge Edgar Wright fan, so I am a little biased on this. 
the only reason this movie is as high as it is for me is because I can I know the parts that they kept from his original script. Oh, the Luis uh, the Luis stories are definitely part of it. I can uh, I some of the editing. It. That was clearly going to be Edgar Wright editing. Like, well, if you watch all of his movies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And two things uh, outside the Edgar Wright stuff uh, that are positives for this movie for me. The train scene. Yes. <laughs> the fucking toy train scene. And two, I actually really like how this is an actual villain that is clearly mentally disturbed. Like, he starts off normal, and you're just like, oh, another big, you know, suit and tie guy. But as the movie goes on, you realize, no, this guy is, he's got something wrong up there. Yeah. Be it, you know, just some sort of complex or disorder or something. So I really like how they actually had a villain that was truly somewhat insane, yeah. in a way. And I don't know. I thought he was kind of intriguing, even though he was just kind of a sort of normal big bad. Yeah, he was, I just he was, liked how he was... He was, he was reworked Obadiah Stane. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like uh, the one thing that kind of stood out that he wasn't just Obadiah was he's fucking kind of nuts. Like, there's something wrong with yeah. him. Yeah, we're running and, a little long, so I'm not going to get too much into what I'm doing. Yeah. Or what I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of the movie. The Wii stuff is great. It's also the first allusion to Spider-Man. I will say that... Uh, uh, damn it, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Go ahead. You you had something oh, else to say. No, no, that was that was pretty much it for my stuff. Is just yeah, it was it was fine. Um, um, I wish Edgar Wright was still on it because I yeah, think it could have been a. It would have been very it easily probably would have been in my top three if he was still directing it, just because I love that guy and I know what he's capable of. Um, I do remember what I was going to say. Now I do think that I I appreciate what they did with Hank Pym because I do think Hank gets a really bad rap through. Uh, comic lore <laughs> for, because for, for slapping smacking, his wife for smacking janet <laughs> jesus Christ. um i mean yeah it happened but like comic fans and marvel especially won't let you forget it yeah like i get it it's a big deal i i am glad that in the movie they just were like oh janet saved herself heroically or gave her life heroically to yeah save the world and i never smacked her Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, well, and you can tell... That's the thing about comics that's kind of a downside is that you have one bad writer come on and it's forever in the lore. Like, you can't... Mm -hmm. Very few things get retconned, but they're there. Even if Marvel comes out and says, like, dude, like, guys, we're retconning this. That's not actually part of the lore. That's just something that happened. Fans would be like, well, no, it's still there. It happened. It happened. Kind of thing. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. They made Hank Pym likable and... Kind of redeemed him. Yeah, and he felt like he, a good mentor. Yeah, he and he, they made him really a really good father too. Like he doesn't want Hope to get in the suit because he's trying to protect her. Exactly. And, like Hope is too bullheaded. She's like, we need to get this done. We need to go so that she doesn't see it. Mm -hmm. So it's a good it's it's a good like mix of the I'm not telling you something for your own good sort of thing. Yeah. Even though he's like obviously like. I don't want you in the suit because I don't want to lose you too. But yeah. she's just like, we need to get the mission done. We need to do this. She's not doing it because she wants to be a hero. She's doing it for efficiency. Yeah. She's like, dude, just let me do it. So this is done and over with. And he's like, no. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I agree. Iron Man or, or Ant-Man. I did it. I did the inverse way. <laughs> uh, Ant-Man was the capper to phase two. Phase three kicked off with Captain America Winter uh, Civil War. <clears throat> which I have at number six. I too have at number six. It's interchangeable to me with Winter Soldier just because uh, Winter Soldier... Are, like you said, they're, they're two parts of one really long Yeah, movie. like it's to me it's Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Like I could easily watch them back to back and it would be a good like single movie for five hours. I was really nervous when they announced that it was Civil War because I was afraid it was going to get hijacked, especially when Robert Downey Jr. was announced to be part of the cast. It was just like, 
I mean, you might as well just call us Avengers Three. You yeah, know, just, yeah, that was kind of my thing. I was uh, like, why not Avengers? But it, it really, it really was just like Act One was a Captain America story. Act Two was Civil War, and then Act Three was the end of the Winter Soldier arc within yeah. the Captain America. They did a good story. job of balancing. They, they did a really good, really, really on good it. job. Um, and it, they also worked in introducing Spider-Man to the universe. Yes, oh, that cute little Spider-Man. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, no. Uh, so for me, Winter Soldier is an excellent fucking action movie. Probably their best action, or their best action movie that they've made, and it's a very competent movie. It's extremely entertaining, but to me, it just lacks a little bit of fun. Uh, for obvious reasons, it's, it's a pretty dark storyline. I mean, you have Hydra taking over Shield and yeah. stuff, so it's a darker storyline. This, to me, is kind of the the dark, edgy DCU of the Marvel, you know, but yeah. done well. Um, for me, Civil War, while not as well-rounded as a movie as Winter Soldier, it's just a lot more fun. Um, and it's still serious without taking itself seriously, yeah. I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, that and, too, just the introduction of T'Challa and Black that Panther too, coming in. Holy shit, he is, like, the best part of the movie. And that's saying something because Spider-Man's in it and the whole movie's just so much fun. The entire airplane... Uh, or sorry, airport scene in the fight. That's obviously the best part of the movie. It's so fantastic. Peyton Reed was actually really upset that Marvel put Giant Man in the airport scene because he was like, that's supposed to be something that we do. You yeah, know? right. That's supposed to, it should be revealed in Ant-Man's movie, not in a movie where he's in it for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I get it. I feel bad because he probably was like, oh, man. That's well, they also gonna... wanted to get the Wasp in there, too. But yeah. he was like, Aunt Peyton Reed put his foot down on that one. He's like, no, she needs to make her own debut in her own movie. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, Civil War is definitely very much up there. It's my number six, a.k.a. my tied for one through six. So, yeah, that's, I like it. Yeah. I like and it. The, the following Marvel movie was Doctor Strange. I have that at number nine. I have mine at number ten. Um, my only gripe with Doctor Strange is Hubert Cumberbatch, H- Hubert Cumberbumble, uh, was amazing. Uh, I was not actually a really big fan of him until I saw Doctor Strange, and then I started actually watching more movies with him in it. But uh, Mr. Cumberbumble was great, and it was just Iron Man 1 all over again, where you have a cocky... God, they even look similar, you know, I mean, yeah. same facial hair and stuff. Uh, I do love his complete deterioration <clears throat> and breakdown as a human being once his hands are destroyed. And that happens really early on. And yeah, that's the like, first 20 minutes he of the gets movie. fucking mean. Like, he gets really, really mean. But you understand, because that's his entire life, and it just yeah. literally got crushed. But the reason it is at my number 10 slot, and it's as high as it is, that, like, seven minutes of Dormammu... Yes. That that right there that that's what sealed that's, the deal. I would mind. have had it higher if it wasn't for the fact that I realized that I just love so many Marvel movies. Yeah, it's it's probably the most creative boss fight Marvel's ever done. Easily, yeah, easily. It, it's not a boss fight. It's literally him outsmarting. It's an, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like I said, it's him outsmarting the big baddie. It's actually not this big destruction scene. Um, <laughs> honestly, one reason this is so low is because I thought uh, what's his name, Caecilius, was like the probably the most boring. He was a cookie cutter villain. He was the most boring villain outside of Ronan. Yeah. Uh, honest to God, he was so it was lame. Ancient One was cool. The graphics were fine, or well, not graphics, but you know what I mean. I'm, yeah, the visual. I'm effects. talking video games now. Yeah, the visual effects were fine, but that Dormammu made that whole movie one of my favorites. Yes. It was so good. So following that came out uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two in May of 2017, just last year. 
Yeah. Uh, I have this at number 16. <laughs> you do not. I, and you've touched on it earlier why you don't yeah, like it. I, I almost put this way higher on my list. And then after kind of reevaluating, I have mine at number eight. So again, still high. My thing is, is I went to see this movie three times in theater. I fucking loved it. Like, I really do. I still really like <clears> it. Again, I love the colors. I like the characters. I think my the pros, I love the kind of father-son thing. I really like Ego. I do. Ego, I, yeah, like, I think he's one of the best villains in the MCU because, it. well, he's literally the embodiment of his own ego. You under... Where, where sometimes, like, you see these villains that bond with their characters and then they just do a, a heel-face turn. I actually get it with him because, you know what? Son or no son, wife or, you know, girlfriend, crush, whatever, no wife. He's literally ego- He's the own embodiment. The only thing he truly cares about is himself. And that's why I understand why he killed um, Star-Lord's mom, because he was scared of losing his own selfishness. Yeah. He doesn't know anything other than that. But the reason why I had to put it down a little bit more is because I realized they almost made the characters... The characters are really well-rounded in the first movie, especially mm-hmm. for having no setup. They kind of made them cartoon characters of their own selves. And sitting on it and rewatching it a few times that kind of started clicking with me it was really funny but that's kind of where even though it was to me a lot funnier than guardians of galaxy one the flaws that they had with the characters and kind of almost dumbing them down and pulling them back ruined it for me yeah especially in characters like drax like he's, oh, he's yeah. a character he that's just... supposed to not understand like metaphors like obviously they're supposed to be able to understand humor and yeah. he has his own kind of humor but yeah this is supposed to take place six months after the events of the first one and all of a sudden he's just this big laughing buffoon yeah yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense it takes more than six months to completely change your characteristics yeah exactly and it's probably because he was such an unexpected like lovable uh, not oaf because he is a smart well he's a smart guy too he's like a warrior so he's obviously has intelligence and they just kind of made him dumb first you know obviously the first viewing or so i laughed at every single joke they threw out there i was cackling like no tomorrow but like i said re-watching it that's when i started not laughing at the jokes as much and realizing, wow, this doesn't make sense for this character to be saying or doing this or acting this way. Star-Lord was actually probably the biggest one for me because I get that he's happy to connect with his dad, but on the other hand, I feel like the fact that... He he forgot that the Guardians were his family too quickly. Yeah, exactly. Way too quickly. He was too eager to just drop his family regardless of him meeting his mom or dad or anything like that. Yeah, well, like Gamora urges him to hang out with Ego and then he forms the little baseball uh, Yeah, ball apparently him. all it and takes is like, to play catch. Yeah, he, just, he played a catch with his dad, and then all of a sudden he's completely in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gamora's like, I don't, something's not right here. And he's like, you're just jealous I actually have a dad, and Thanos is your dad. Yeah, she's you like, know? no, fuck. Uh, the progression between her and Nebula was fantastic, though. Yes. I do. I, that was my favorite aspect of the movie then and now. So for me, it's number 16 because the jokes that bomb for me kill this movie. Mm. <laughs> Primary examples are the taser face bit that goes on for like three or four minutes. It was really funny, but it's too long. It's too long. It's like, too long. If it's just Rocket laughing and going, you look in the mirror and go, "I'm Taser Face." That's stupid. Like, th- and then okay, the part before the, the the part before the ship blows up was a great callback. I didn't. I was. Oh, always, I freaking I was died. So sick of the joke at that point <laughs> that you know having a sovereign start laughing at her. Mm-hmm. One that's out of 
that's out of character for it the sovereign. It is, but it's funny. And two, it's it's a callback to a joke that went on for too long. Yeah, I then, it, it, I think if it wasn't as long, it would have been probably a little. Uh, the other the other couple jokes that went on for too long for me was the carpet joke where Aisha's walking along the carpet on the Hookerbot planet. Uh, you have like this gorgeous music swelling, and then her carpet snags. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like the person. It's it's a really quick bit, but her walking on the carpet takes it, too long. It well, I know exactly what you mean. That was probably one of the few jokes that fell flat because I don't like in order to make a joke that completely stops the flow of the movie, it better be a good joke. And that wasn't And a good it joke. wasn't a good exactly. joke. Exactly. It's it's a very stereotypical joke. I, I the first time I watched the movie and then when they started rolling out the carpet, part of me went, Oh, watch the carpet get snagged and it got snagged. Yeah. It's just one of those where it's but just it, it, that when she's walking it's builds up for too long like she's walking on the carpet you get this gorgeous music swelling and then she gets snagged and then the person's like struggling to get it unsnagged and like you said it it, to pull away from the momentum of the movie it's i think what would have made the joke better have this long buildup of her walking on the carpet because clearly that's what she does like it she needs it it gets snagged finally and i think the best part would be for her just to roll her eyes and go whatever and then just walk into the snow and just be like after all that's a perfect just drop joke after all that buildup and you need this rug you decide to ditch it because it annoyed you i think that would have been funnier than you know i I agree finishing the thing and then the other joke that really just i loved it, I watched it a hundred times in the trailers. The the part where Rocket's explaining the bomb to Groot, baby Groot, I am Groot. I oh, am Groot. yeah, yeah. I am Groot. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's the button that'll kill everyone. <laughs> I love that bit. That bit was great. But when he's like, I need, I, Quill, get me tape. Duct get tape. Me some oh, tape the duct tape part. To put over the button. I don't want him pushing this button. And then they spend like You literally four hear minutes. every single character talking hey, to him about dude, tape. Hey, you got tape yeah. more. Do you got tape? <laughs> no, stop. They even cut to Rocket and Groot just sitting there bored yeah. while Quill's asking. It's, it's pacing. Because I think literally all of these jokes would have worked if they had changed the pacing of them. That's the whole point of a joke. You have to have good pacing and timing with delivery. And if you go too long, you will lose the essence exactly. of the joke. If, if it would have been like they were on an open comm channel and Rocket's like, does anyone have any tape while he's talking to Quill? And everybody and responded And everyone's just like, once. no, why would we have tape? Yeah. That would have been fine. That oh, yeah. Good. But yep. because Quill has to fly out and talk to everyone mm-hmm. and then they have they follow it up with a joke of like did you ask um he comes back did you ask yandu oh shit i didn't and he goes well, no, he, then he's somebody. Like, uh yeah i did and like did you really and he's like yeah of course yeah you know it oh he's lying because we don't want to sit through that long joke again yep yep exactly and those jokes I, I, those jokes really just kill the movie for me but there are some mm-hmm. good stuff like when baby groot has to go try and get yandu's fin and he comes back with a desk <laughs> oh and a guy's God. toe. I, I, I do like those jokes, but the the jokes like, that oh, fall I'm not gonna flat, ask. <laughs> the jokes that fall flat just kill the movie for me. And just to piss you off, this is one of my favorite moments Don't you in the whole say movie. Mary Poppins. <laughs> Mary Poppins, yo. God. It's so stupid. I love it. You're so mad right now. I love it. You're so it's, mad. It's only because the internet took that to such a Okay, I will level. say though, C2E2, I saw an artist. Uh, so, you know how with the Disney Channel, yeah. uh, they, you know, the actors will draw the Mickey Mouse head? Yeah. There was an artist at C2E2. She had a drawing and it was a plain white background. It had Yandu on it. And it said, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And this is I the Disney I... Channel. And the <laughs> and the Disney, the Mickey Head Mouse, was the red 
laser from his arrow and there was somebody who was dying in the background because he had like a hole in his chest that was amazing i almost i'll I'll give props to that one yeah it's creative it's taking you know that joke that the internet ran into the ground and actually making it creative yeah the internet just killed that one for me like i didn't mind it in theaters (laughs) i'm just like i hate michael rooker but fine and then the internet's just like mary bobbins you're like fucking god damn it (laughs) god damn it it wasn't that funny of a line people Uh. moving right along in this very long episode, yeah, that I'm going to hate to edit this. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. I have this at number eight. Uh, Homecoming. Okay, so this is definitely one of those where I know it does have some flaws, but to what it means to me and how much I legitimately enjoyed it, I have it at number two. Um, I can totally get behind that. The only reason it's not at number eight for me mm-hmm. is because it's the sixth Spider-Man movie. If this there's was, definitely fatigue i admit yeah it, and it's a reboot too and if i this, think part of it is i enjoyed it so much and it just made my heart flutter and i was like wow this, this took away the fatigue for me even just for a moment oh yeah i think that tom holland is a literal perfect casting for both roles mm-hmm. not just you know because andrew garfield was a fine spider-man but a terrible parker uh toby mcguire was a good parker but not so not very quippy spider-man he was fine that's but to the writing that's- yeah but I feel like Tom Holland, he's a perfect entry-level Spider-Man. And what I mean by that is obviously he's the youngest character in the Avengers. He's the youngest superhero. So he's very fresh and new and doesn't know quite what he's doing. I like how they keep him the friendly neighborhood. And they bring that up. Like, dude, stay stay within stay your limits. The suit is by far my favorite. Yes. I do. I did hear people complain that they didn't like how they made it very Iron Man-ish. At one point in the movie, he literally turns off all those extra functionalities and it becomes, you know, more of a regular suit for him. Um, and then I know the movie's been out for a year. I'm just going to say kind of sort of spoilers because I'm really glad that by the time I got to see this movie, I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. So spoilers. The twist. Yes. By f- I, I don't get... That sucked the air out of the theater when we oh, saw it. Oh, I'm so upset I didn't get to go see it with everybody because I was getting going to a convention the day after, like that weekend, so mm-hmm. I didn't go to see it because I didn't have the money. I'm so mad I didn't see this in theaters because that twist, it legitimately... I don't usually react to stuff like that, but I gasped. I was like, you're kidding me. That was such a good... The whole... Hey, Peter's girlfriend. Yeah, guess who her dad is? If you if you want to know the movie Blind, you're they're playing on your knowledge of Spider Man because you know, yeah. Oh, he Liz Liz Allen obviously yeah. And oh, it's Liz Allen Tombs. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. That was all. It too is like oh my god because yeah, there means like Liz. I'm like oh Liz Allen exactly. And wow, it was so well done. Um, I think that uh, what's his name? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Thank you. Uh, did a fantastic job. I really related to him. He's easily. He's. he's I think he's my second favorite villain. Yeah, out he's of definitely all the MCU. He's definitely somewhere at one A, one B, one C. Um, yeah. He's he's like maybe the second, maybe even the first real Marvel villain where you're like he's not wrong. Yeah. No. He's no. just going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Like sure, he's a criminal technically, but can <clears throat> you blame the guy? Yeah. You know. So yeah, no. Uh, hands down, I very much enjoyed this movie for what it did for me and my heart and my love for Spider-Man and seeing this properly rebooted, I hated the Amazing franchise. I didn't see anything redeeming out of that except for I'm a huge Emma Stone fan because she's cute and she was in it and that's it. She's really ugly crier though. Oh yeah, for sure. She doesn't exactly have a pretty crying face, but that's okay. I would 
I would hug her anyway. <laughs> so the, the the following movie came out this last November, Thor Ragnarok, which actually was supposed to come out on the date Spider-Man Homecoming came out, but because of the whole Spider-Man deal yep. uh, got pushed back. Uh, Ragnarok is number five for me. We have a review episode up if you want to listen to it. Me and Mandy talk about that. Mandy it's, and I talk about it. It's it's my number three. It, it, it <sighs> was a really close tie between... It took me a while to choose between Spider-Man and Thor for my number two slot. Oh my god! <laughs> we, Thor, we've, we've gushed about yeah, this movie we've already about. gushed about it. The Thor Ragnarok was everything Thor, I wanted Hulk. it to be. It's it's a Planet Hulk movie with a Thor movie, uh, or a Thor movie with a Planet Hulk movie thrown in there. Yep, and uh, it's very well balanced. Um, Korg is great. Uh, Hela is my favorite MCU villain. I think she's so fucking cool. And one thing I th- rethought about, I didn't mention it when we did the podcast because I thought about it today, was the fact that. The fact that you can tell she's siblings to Thor and Loki, kind of. But, yeah. like, the fact that when I was rewatching it when it came out on Blu ray, and she's, you know, div- giving her big grandiose speech to, you know, uh, Asgard, Asgard, and she's like, bow down to me and stuff, and they're just like, uh, you need to fucking leap. And she's like, didn't I just tell you who I am? That's such a Loki attitude. Yeah. And it's funny because they're not related by blood, but, but goddamn. They that have an influence. They, exactly. Like you can tell that they're siblings regardless of a blood relation there. And, you know, I, she felt like she was definitely an Asgardian, you um, know, sibling. One thing I did not mention in our review that I did want to, excuse me, that I did want to was um, the visual cues that they changed in the movie. When Loki first shows up, he's in his classic green outfit green and black and then when hella shows up she's in her green and black outfit so obviously with loki being kind of a an in-betweener if you follow comics i don't know if you've ever read the uh the future foundation books that john hickman did a few years ago um he had a couple of the the alien kids talking about how you differentiate between uh heroes and villains and villains usually wear like greens and purples and all you yep you know and so (laughs) whenever when hella shows up in green and black Obviously, Loki can't be in green and black because he's no longer the villain of the movie. Yeah. So they change him into like a turquoise blue. Uh huh. And now he's more of the anti-hero, but he's still got a little bit of that green in him, which is yeah. Like, no, that's actually it's an excellent. It's a really point. it's a really good visual cue that again, if you're not looking for it, you're not gonna. Taiko Waititi, direct every movie for the history of forever <laughs> for me. I love you. <laughs> um. So that that was something I, I wanted to mention, but I forgot to, and uh, I just remembered. Thor Ragnarok, the humor, everything, it's my number five movie. Uh-huh. Um, I could watch that any day of the week and still have a good laugh. Yeah, exactly. Same. I, I love that so much. <clears throat> well, that finishes up my list because I have not seen Black Panther. But where have you placed Black Panther well, on Well, if anyone's actually been keeping tabs, I have Black Panther at my number four. Okay, cool. Um, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Like it, it is. It very much does stand on its own. It opens up with a little bit of a Civil War tie-in. Uh, it takes place. It begins a week after the events of Civil War, but it immediately after they kind of tie up the loose end of like, oh, why is T'Challa all of a sudden king? It becomes its own thing. Killmonger is arguably the best villain in the Marvel. That's what universe. I've heard. Um, honestly, he will probably be up there for me. Like by the time I actually get around to seeing this. As for now, of course, like Ego and um, Loki's great and uh, Vulture, Vulture and Hell is my favorite just because I think she's so fucking cool. And it's kind of, <laughs> it's nice to have a really, really, really cool female villain. We don't really see those often. And the thing I liked about it too was the fact that they actually like beat the shit out of her. They didn't treat her any daintily or any different just because she's a chick. Mm-hmm. Like 
she was a bad guy and we're gonna kick her butt like yeah. a bad guy and i appreciate that i appreciate that if it's a bad person i don't care who they are you kick their ass yeah and, and killmonger <laughs> again you you think like he's not wrong again mm-hmm. it, it's just his methods of fixing the problem are wrong right uh so that's that's kind of where the lists go um if anyone's actually kept tabs on this uh i'm pretty sure i'm gonna edit out all of our news <laughs> Uh, this is this has gone on for two say, and a half hours. Um, you know, we're since it's a big build up to uh, Infinity War, we can always do a part one, part two, or That's you know, true. a split up or something. Split up in, like phase one and then continue to phase two. I don't know if I want to do that much work. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I got a, a two month old. So yeah. uh, I did want to refresh on what's still to come in phase three before we go. Obviously, Infinity War comes out next week, April twenty seventh, worldwide. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp follows up on July 6th of this year. Then Captain Marvel comes out in March 8th or on March 8th of 2019. And then we have the Untitled Avengers 4 coming out May 3rd, which if this bump up does uh, the same thing for Marvel that it uh, hope it do- they hope it does where they're going to make more money by having a few extra weeks in between the next big release. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Avengers 4 will get bumped up as well to a late April release. Sure. Uh, and then Marvel has confirmed through She Who Shall Not Be Named from Sony, a.k.a. Amy Pascal, <laughs> that Spider-Man Homecoming 2, which again is a working title, that's not what they're actually going to call it, yeah. will be the kickoff to Phase 4, and that's coming out two months after the current release date of uh, Avengers 4 on July 5th, 2019. And they, she's even leaked out that the movie allegedly takes place like minutes after the, Aven- the end of Avengers 4. Hmm, Okay. So, some very intriguing stuff. Man, Phase 3 is long. Phase 3 is 10 movies. Holy smokes. Yeah, most every other uh, phase has been 6 or 5 movies, I think. Yeah, yeah, around that, yeah. Um, let's see what phase... phase 6, two, actually, one, for two, both. 3, 4, 5, 6, yeah. 6 for both. I so forget, I always, Ant-Man always confuses me because it comes same. after Avengers. Yeah, same, same. <clears throat> I know it feels kind of weird to do not have an Avengers movie be your last shebang kind yeah. of thing. So, so, but I'm excited. I can't wait. Yep. Um, I can't wait to gush about Infinity War once that's out. Yeah, I can't someone wait to will be here to do it. the review with me. I don't know who it will be yet. I sent out the call, but no one mm-hmm. has really responded yet because I'm on a I'm on a restricted time frame where I can basically either do it Thursday night immediately after the movie or Friday night because I have to be able to edit Friday night or Saturday night, and we're leaving Sunday morning for a, a very long a yeah. ten day road trip. So. Yeah. Well, and I'll be. I'm. I don't know how long I'll be without a car. I would gladly <laughs> offer to do it, but. I'm putting my car in the shop Thursday morning, and I mm. don't know how long it'll be there. So yeah. I don't have a way to as get here. As long as you can get to the theater, that's fine. Yes, definitely. So thanks, Mandy, for coming on. And Yeah, uh, thank you for having for me For those again. of you that are listening, this, this is recorded for about two and a half hours. So we'll see what I actually leave in. Oh, my goodness. So uh, thanks again for Sorry. listening. Um, Mandy, you got social media stuff if you want to share? Um, I mean, on everything that I'm attached to, it's just Beppo, B-E-P-B-O. I'm on Instagram. I tried joining Twitter. I'll maybe try to make witty posts here and there well, i mean I you are on best. twitter it's not like you tried and failed you are on twitter i am on twitter yeah i mean well i'm trying i haven't failed yet but i'm trying um <laughs> but yeah i guess this twitter and instagram is pretty much the big ones <laughs> <clears throat> so you can follow the podcast uh on facebook you can find us talking smack s-m-a-c uh you can find us on youtube as well all we do is upload the podcast so if you're listening to us on a mobile device and want to find us on youtube you're gonna be very bored uh <laughs> then you can also find us on twitter at talking smack pod you can email us what what did you think of infinity war what did you think of the marvel movies do you have your own ranking uh whatever you can email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com again smack is s-m-a-c 
And you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. Scar is spelled S-K-A-A-R, like the son of Hulk. Woohoo! All right, so thanks again, Mandy, and everyone have a great week and enjoy Infinity War. You look like you wanted to say something. I'm looking forward to everybody telling me how (laughs) wrong I am. (laughs) And roll that theme music.